Project Lawful aka Plane Crash by Yarwain aka Eliezer Yudkowski and Lintamande. Thread 4, Project Lawful and Their Oblivious Boyfriend. Episode 77. Of course, it will be her pleasure. What exactly is to be her pleasure, Sevar? There's no guarantee that the next devil summoned will accept Sevar's contract now, and faking a compact with Keltham is probably sufficient for Sevar to lose her law. Luckily, they have to do the part with the devil outside the Forbiddance, since you can't summon an outsider into one. That means there's an ironclad excuse for Keltham not to be present for it. Carissa is hoping that the reason for the instruction that she is not to sell her soul this day is in fact that she's meant to do this, as part of seducing Keltham to evil. If not, though, and they still won't buy her soul, she wants to draw up a very real contract giving Keltham a very real option on her soul, which avoids specifying that it is presently owned by Hell, which she and he will sign, and then claim that it worked, but the option makes it much less valuable so she doesn't get the perks, to explain the lack of permanent arcane sight. Unless, to the High Priestess's awareness, this is a stupid plan, in which case she can just tell them that options like that don't exist to her knowledge. No, that's impressively clever, chosen of Asmodeus. They shall need to consult a devil whether or not her soul is saleable this day, to make sure the language of this new contract is enforceable and valid. But the High Priestess expects it is doable. Is it your will that this be done at once? The only cause to delay Carissa can see is selfish, that she can't easily be made to do this and it's not clearly in her interests. Sort of the dilemma of whether it was pathetic or noble of her to sign Contessa Lorelatha's contract without enough time to read it, given that it was what Asmodeus wanted, but also that it's not Asmodeus's job to make doing what he wants non-catastrophic for her. But on this, Asmodeus has specific instructions— that she is to serve him well and come to him in hell without thought of other choices and be treasured. And, okay, maybe she's not living up to that instruction just yet since she clearly had that thought process, but she thinks she's being told that it is Asmodean, in this case, to serve without thought for her own interests. Does that sound right? Anyway, yes, it should be done at once— Jacint informs Keltham that this process must needs be carried out beyond the Forbiddance, since devils may not be summoned here, and it seems obviously unwise that Keltham step outside the Forbiddance without great need. Aside from that, it can be done right now, though Carissa will probably come back bearing a compact regarding the option on her, for Keltham to sign, which must needs be signed before the devil signs with her, for obvious reasons. Somebody's going to have to explain the language of the contract to Keltham, pretty darn carefully. Especially if this is being done in a way where he's not getting Contessa Lurilatha's assurance about the compact being designed without intent to cause unforeseen consequences. Please factor that delay into account. Message to Jacint. And furthermore, Keltham needs Jacint's personal assurance on a level falling barely short of a Baden oath that Keltham not being there is absolutely not going to allow any pathway through time however improbable, where, somehow, it looks like Carissa sold her soul, but actually she didn't, and also after that, nobody ran the additional check on whether she was a hidden cleric, or the check happened to a disguised double of Carissa or something, 
split-second deputy's decision. This seems like a safe assurance to give Keltham. It should not hurt Cheliax to run that additional check on Carissa. Actually, if Carissa tried to forbid that, Jacint herself would start to feel nervous at that point. Return message. I do so promise. Carissa will also want to give the contract a really close read. Obviously, a devil who pulled tricky shit would not have excellent reviews and be on a recommended list, but still, the stakes are higher here and they should be incredibly careful. Jacint will head over to collect rather a lot of security and scrying protections, and then she and Carissa will step outside the forbiddens to do the necessary. Keltham will find something else to do with himself, he supposes. The first pending thing not requiring the full harem, that came to mind, was resuming flirting with Meritzel. Would that be inappropriate? That's possibly inappropriate, right? Maybe he should just continue trying to read things. Asmodia heads over to the real main temple, the one Keltham can't visit and can't know exists, because it contains the actual torture chambers. The door opens to a security's private bedroom. The security on duty here is apparently asleep in bed, startling awake at someone opening the door. When he identifies Asmodia, he presses a panel that opens a non-magically concealed door behind his bed. Asmodia heads through, drawing what confidence she can about her. It's her first time visiting this part of the installation, so she's looking around to see what's here. Also, do people here seem at all impressed with meeting a Project Lawful whatever she is? They haven't had a lot of time and haven't spent much of it on the decor in here, where Keltham won't see it. The temple itself is done well enough to honor Asmodeus in black stone that must have been laid by magic because stoneworkers can't work that fast. But the rest just looks like a repurposed fortress. Thick undecorated stone walls and floors with periodic magic torches, slightly overcrowded with support staff not cleared to meet Keltham. The staff here stares less than at the palace, either because they're more professional or have heard less ridiculous things about Project Lawful Girls. They do get out of her way. Okay. People getting out of her way is, well, it's kind of a lot, actually. She needs to not blow this. Message to whoever looks like the best prospect for directing her onward. I need to speak to whoever is maintaining comms with Igorian. Privately. Office next to the temple. The office contains a fourth circle priest of Asmodeus and a mage's private sanctum enchantment. So walking into his office is like walking into a wall of fog, after which she can't hear out at all. Message anyways, just to be sure. I need to send a message to Gorthoklek and receive a return message and verifiable authorization from him, with the literal absolute minimum of people who are not myself and Gorthoklek knowing that a message was exchanged between us, and literally nobody except the two of us knowing the contents of that exchange. Advise me on protocols. This priest has been warned that Project Lawful is ridiculous. No, more ridiculous than that. No. You're not prepared for how ridiculous, but this is somewhat more ridiculous than he expected. This girl's file doesn't even suggest that she's at all one of the interesting ones. Uh, he says, hmm, on what timescale do you need to send your message? She guesses that if he's answering out loud, given that question, this room is actually believed secured. Give me timescales and their privacy costs. How much privacy would I lose if I wanted this done as quickly as possible? If you wanted this done as quickly as possible, I would have you impersonate me and request a teleport to, uh, the front in Nadal, where you could get in telepathy range of him with your request. The primary costs there are not in privacy, but in your safety. 
If we have more time, I'd make a secret request for his whereabouts and notify you once he's neither at the front, where you'd be in danger, nor in the palace, where an attempt at impersonation would be noticed instantly, and have someone convey you as me there. I see. That sounds like it requires a longer and more visible absence of myself from Project Lawful than I'd hoped for. Possibilities and costs around sealed written message to him marked his eyes only, with only your name on it in capacity as comms officer, minimum awareness of that event, sealed reply addressed to yourself and returned to me. I consider it very unlikely that someone loyal to us would read that. There exists the possibility it would be intercepted. The person who teleported and delivered the message would be aware of a message from me to the target, but probably not expect your involvement. Acceptable risk. Writing materials for the message, please, and somewhere secure to write it. Expected time to Gorthoclek. I can send someone with the message as soon as you write it, and wouldn't expect them to take more than ten minutes to deliver it, unless there's some unexpected mess at the front. Hmm. Additional time cost and privacy gain if it only goes the next time a teleport to Igorian would otherwise be expected. It'd be less interesting and less likely to be intercepted. Next expected teleport would be... This evening, probably to deliver daily reports by hand. If Gorthoclek is there to receive it, there might be a return reply immediately. Otherwise, I would expect a reply tomorrow morning or at latest evening. The tricky part is not knowing what resources, such as teleports, she is allowed to expend in the name of keeping her seal secret. She thinks that so long as the message is on the way, she can probably manage. That seems better. I have family members in the process of being relocated by security since maybe somebody interesting will try to kidnap them. And I believe that should serve as a good cover for you to notify me that a message is waiting for me when a return message arrives. Affirm or deny. Affirm. Why is he taking orders from her? Well, if he wasn't supposed to do that, she'll presumably be in more trouble than he will. Are there any obvious flaws to you in this arrangement? Do not assume that I am fully familiar with all the details of these workings. If I was, I wouldn't have needed to ask this much. Something about the way she's phrasing that feels like Dathilani influence. Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't see obvious flaws or risks other than the ones I have mentioned. Very well. Asmodia writes a message to Gorthoclek. Due to her mortal imperfection, the Project Lawful Girl, whom Gorthoclek should recently have been told about as having returned with a secret, has not been able to conceal all signs of having a secret from people who could potentially inquire into it, including particularly the project leader. This project lawful girl now requests an authorization from Gorthoklek. She can show to such people, telling them to not inquire further and not talk about her or about the existence of that instruction with literally anyone. And an authorization she can show to somebody to instruct them to not further propagate any information that she has leaked or will leak. And, or such other authorizations as Gorthoklek may deem good for her to have. She doesn't sign it, folds it into a blank-looking rectangle of paper, and hands it to the cleric. Seal as appropriate. Please make sure the person doing the teleport understands that a new rumor about Project Lawful sending secret messages to Gorthoclek is not an outcome that would be desirable. To Gorthoclek. Ewer, I will make that understood. It is starting to make slightly more sense why someone bothered to tell him that you cannot escape this assignment by suicide. Good. 
If you meet me under other circumstances, I'm no different from any other Project Lawful girl. We're done. Asmodia turns around and walks out of the office. She's got to hold it together at least until she reaches her bedroom. But, weirdly enough, she feels like she probably can. Security should leave, Carissa says to the High Priestess once they're outside the Forbiddens. The conversation might touch on topics they're not cleared for. Security doesn't object to this order, but doesn't leave either. You're not supposed to leave someone alone once they've been told they're selling their soul, which is... Apparently, what's going on here? Do it. Right then. Selling her soul. She feels quite different than she did three days ago when she was last going to sell her soul. Not less scared, but... She's going to serve Asmodeus well. And she's not scared of random devils. They're nothing next to her, after all. Planar Ally is one of the spells Subirax keeps prepped daily. There are many emergencies that could potentially require a devil's aid. 1,250 GP offerings, 10-minute casting time. Rumor has it that Project Lawful Girls' souls are selling for exorbitant prices in the markets of Dis. She'd be proud of that, but maybe only a tiny chance of successfully turning them into Dathalani is enough to justify the absurd prices. It's not a bet on her competence at the task ahead of her, just yet another indication of the stakes. It does mean she should be able to get a devil on board with this deal, even though it's not as good a deal for them as usual, though. She's not actually sure what the fair price of a chelish soul is now that she thinks about it. Arguably, it's not much, since they'll almost definitely go to hell anyway. Though that's less true of the Project Lawful Girls, who other gods keep stealing. How expensive is the cheapest way to corrupt souls to evil? How much is a soul worth to Asmodeus in the sense of how much it costs him to get one? It might vary a lot by the soul. What would happen if you demanded a wish? What would happen if you were Carissa Sever, the name known to every contract devil who deals with Cheliacs, and you demanded a wish and arcane sight and a hundred pounds of spell silver just for the rights to your soul if Keltham chooses not to exercise his option? Probably the answer is that you'd get laughed at and then tortured, but she almost wants to try it just to see. She means to name the mightiest contract devil whose name she knows one to whom other devils answer. The thought has occurred to Subirox as well that Carissa Savar is perhaps worth more than ordinary souls in their lord's sight. It is not clear that Hell's profit should be protected at the expense of Savar's pride. On the other hand, if that thought hasn't occurred to Savar herself, she may deserve no better. But she will at least bring forth a devil worthy of negotiation. Glossialabolas, come forth and bargain. So speaks the high priestess of Asmodeus, Yacinth Subirox. Glossialabolas, unbounded cost, Earwain. He doesn't trouble with ceremony until he knows this is even worth his time. Anybody worth his time to bargain with won't be impressed by a little extra fire on arrival. He's also busy, and trying to impress mortals is mostly beneath him. Who has the temerity, and why should I bother? He says, not troubling himself to add any threats. I am Carissa Savar. She doesn't bother explaining. He ought to know, or at least she intends to give the impression he ought to know. 
There is a mortal who desires to possess an option on my soul, sold otherwise to hell, and if you are permitted to bargain for my soul at all, you will have it until or unless he claims that option. Are you so permitted? Glossolabolus thinks the infernal equivalent of holy shit. He knows by now, of course, as does most of Dis, that Carissa Sevar already got her first reply, the one telling her not to sell her soul that day, which has invited a lot of speculation about possible other days. It's obvious that she would be the prize to own if you could. But they haven't received any clarification from their superiors about whether, is she an unfinished cleric? Is she an unfinished cleric of Irori? And yet apparently, as seen from other spiritual angles, she looks more truly pledged to Asmodeus than most soul-sellers usually arrive to him, and is sincere in her intent to bargain. What was that about a mortal wanting an option on her soul? First things first. Then you may, possibly, be worth my time. What price would you seek for yourself? If she doesn't know, if he can get an agreement from her on that point before he returns to hell to see if this can be authorized. I am not sure there is a soul alive of higher value to hell, and if there is, it is the mortal I am in the middle of delivering to Asmodeus, and who wants the option on my soul, which, if he exercises it, will bring him to our lord. I propose an equal split of the gains from this trade and will reject lesser splits with a probability corresponding to how disproportionately they reserve the gains for you, such that you can't actually do better by pretending to underrate me, but we'll still work something out with high probability if we honestly disagree. Paid in wishes and spell silver above and beyond the ordinary payment of permanent arcane sight and permanent tongues. First of all, Mortals aren't supposed to know about any of that, however garbled and incomplete it sounds. And second, if they stumble over a piece of it, you're supposed to shut them down hard and refuse to bargain for their soul, and ideally, let them get executed by Cheliax. Carissa Sevar will not be executed if he refuses her. So much seems obvious from the lack of others present to watch her, saving one priestess who is looking more at him than at her. But if he's reading Carissa Sevar right, she doesn't know. Or she doesn't know numbers. They wouldn't have summoned him to negotiate if they had even a beginning guess at Carissa Sevar's worth. He's not a count of hell. That is not the way of hell, he rumbles. Asmodeus is not Abadar, little mortal. No matter what company you have been keeping of late, you can try to hold what secrets you like, and hell will keep its own and whoever is closer to Asmodeus in wit and ways is the one to win the compact. Name to me the price you seek for yourself. Of course. She's tempted to say, there has to be some devil that will accept that the price of bargaining with me includes this. Get me that one. But there doesn't have to be any such devil. To be a devil is to be perfected, at least along that angle, and apparently perfected in lawful evil, you don't have any interest in that. Like how Contessa Rilatha hates Keltham's good-faith clause. But she wasn't refused outright, despite offering something objectively worth much less than a normal contract. Then, she says, speaking informally to establish the terms for a contract not yet written for three wishes and ten pounds of spell silver and permanent arcane sight and permanent tongues, I offer my soul. 
subject to the option for a mortal to claim it which was previously discussed. Glossiolabalaz thinks the equivalent of heck yes fucking score in Infernal. It's a large chunk of her, current, likely fair price, but nowhere close to all of it. And while he can't deliver three wishes, he can sell his choice of which devil he'll bring back to compact with Carissa Savar. Humph. I would have to bring forth a superior devil to make such a bargain, if they proved willing to make it at all. At some trouble to myself for one not receiving your soul in the end. Nor has it been made known to Dis whether you are this day permitted to sell your soul, and the question might need to be referred far up the hierarchy, which is no trivial hazard of time and pride for myself to undergo. This mortal claim. Say more of it. He didn't just turn her down. Carissa Sever asked for three wishes, and the contract devil did not laugh. Maybe all that talk about Chosen of Asmodeus was not so much flattery as Jacinth thought. She is having the same realization. Maybe she should have asked for more, but what does Hell believe such that they'd even contemplate Hell keeps its secrets and I'll keep mine? The option should grant the mortal the real right to, at any time, exercise the option and make my soul his own. His right acknowledged by all of hell the same as the right of any great contract devil to the souls they have contracted for and purchased. It is acceptable for the exercise to involve the payment of some fixed compensation to the soul's previous owner. No commitments need be made about the soul's state. Beyond that, it'll be extant, and its owner, while the option has not been exercised, will not compact to destroy it. Is she sneaking that last bit in out of self-interest, rather than because Keltham would even think to specify it? Yes, she is, though she's not entirely conscious of this even as she does it. A fixed compensation. The prices are still fluctuating in the markets of Dis, and even demanding thrice the original payment would not suffice to protect the asset if it increases still further. But that, he can hardly say to Carissa Savar. Some other excuse must be found to reject the term. The mortal is not here, party to this contract, though you seemingly intend him to be. Are you hiding things from him, I wonder? And if so, I wonder, do you wish him to see a compact, plainly mentioning some exercise price substantially greater than three wishes and ten pounds of spell silver? For we are not in the habit of reselling at no gain. He can't just suggest a term about market prices, though, or a price reflecting lost gains to the devil who must sell. That will make it too obvious what's really going on. The exercise price should be denominated in chelish currency, so he doesn't get distracted trying to figure out where he can get wishes. The amount won't give him pause. Ho! Oh, even if we demand from him what is denominated as ten million gold in the true wealth of Cheliax, he is so naive. It doesn't serve Asmodeus for the price to be so high he can't exercise it and turn evil, so I can't let you peg it at that. Five hundred thousand would cover the wishes and the spell silver and a generous profit, and there are considerable benefits from having owned me even for a time if I spend any of it dead so you can learn them. Not the way of hell bargaining for a soul, Carissa Savar. But perhaps the way of hell seeking to corrupt another soul even more valuable to our lord, if he is, as you say. 
devils do serve the interests of Asmodeus. It is the way that they have been remade. I must consult with my superiors upon all this matter and return to you. I will write you the compact to take to the mortal. It will be well for him to sign, or so it would seem. Even if we are not yet permitted to bargain with you or your price finds no takers. Have you thoughts upon wise and cunning terms therein? The aim is not to conceal things from him that require great intelligence or paranoia to notice. He has both, and we don't wish him to train either. The aim is to state in plain language the evil he is eager to arrange for himself to do, stated so plainly that it does not occur to him it describes anything that ought to trouble him. Risks to his rights or his bank account he'll be looking for, risks to his. Goodness, he won't. He has claimed me as his possession in this life, and if he seeks to exercise the option, it'd be for the same reason. Because it inspires envy in him, to know that a part of what I am, a small part, he believes, is given forever to another. That they will have rights over me that mustn't shock his conscience, but that can be permitted to stir his jealousy. I'll need to review it. People not accustomed to dealing with him make mistakes. The thought occurs to me that you might, perhaps, wish to sell him that option upon yourself. It will not suffice to damn him, but it will be a start. The thought occurs to me that you might wish to make the option annullable by your returning of that payment to him, if he has not already exercised it. While I do not know all your plans, I know that mortals often change them. Perhaps you will find yourself plotting to execute a different compact with him in the future. Keltham will be comfortable with that. Carissa is surprised that Hell recommends it. I will bear that in mind. Actually, I asked the devil and he said he'd ask other devils for takers on the general contract, but said I should sell you, not give you. Your option will make Keltham feel positively about devils. He is not unmindful of Savar's advantage over this mortal, if she serves Hell's interest more and the terms he suggested are advantageous ones to her in future negotiations. He will take what he can from Savar for hell. Taking from her to advantage a non-evil mortal is another matter. If you can seduce him to unmake and re-sign a different compact every three moons, on some excuse and tale of hell's changing conditions, that will suffice to damn him before nine seasons pass if he otherwise acts not for good or evil. Remember me well in your reports, if it proves so. Glossiolabolus sets forth to design a compact so simple that it almost pains him. Almost. The devils of contracts do understand the concept of not overcomplicating and calling attention to a sting that requires neither attention nor complication. At the core of all of this, is that the mortal is suspicious of prices, rights, terms, conditions, but not that the very act of what he is doing is great evil. When he is done, Glossiolabolus presents a compact to Carissa Savar for an option upon her soul. She doesn't say thank you because that would be ridiculous. She reads through it, suggests a few small revisions to make it more like Lurlatha when she's trying to impress Keltham with the clarity and trustworthiness of her contract writing, hands it back. Doesn't say anything aloud about it. Devils are sensitive about being obliged to write honest contracts. Who writes like that? 
Glossiolabulas grumbles, but makes her suggested revisions. It's clear that Sevar knows too much about contracts, as she knows too much of other things. He'll ask, also, whether, as I was taught, I demanded reassurance that the terms of the contract conceal, to your knowledge, no clever traps and no terms with unexpected negative consequences for those who sign it. I think the unexpected negative consequence is not in the terms, and for precisely that reason will escape his notice, and if that's so, I would convey your assurance of it. It would do grave damage to the interests of hell if it ever became believed that devils, asked such a thing, would not simply and absolutely refuse to bargain. Perhaps you know more of our Lord's workings here than I, but can you truly assure me that this mortal's soul is worth the risk to hell's reputation? He has already secured such bargains, from devils apprised of his full nature and of as much as we understand of Asmodeus's direction. By her soul's tilt she is being honest. Glossolabolas thinks the equivalent of, Okay then, but still, the heck? In Infernal. He amends another term or two and hands back the compact again. Tell the mortal that Glossolabolas, who made this compact, guaranteed this. The deed that results from this contract's signing and its execution will be as I expect that he will expect. As for the consequences of the deed itself, time will show it. I will tell him so. May your other errand from me go as smoothly. That's probably pushing it, framing checking whether he can buy her soul as her errand she requested of him, but you have to push until you get a no, and she's very aware she hasn't yet gotten a no. Why, yes, it is pushing it. Do not presume to rise above your given station. You are not as yet the least of devils, whatever your soul's price to those who are. In three hours' time, as it passes in Galarian, I will return to this place, perhaps in company if your price finds a taker or a bargainer, and if our Lord's will is in accordance this day. Be there, or be bereft. Glossiolabolas turns then at an angle, to return to hell. He has a most urgent plea for clarification to file, to his master and his master's masters. Also, is he supposed to actually tell anyone in Galarian about the unfinished cleric thing? Right, says Carissa to the high priestess. Well, I'm inspired by hell's apparent estimate of the value of our work. I guess I had better go talk to Keltham then. Your will, chosen of Asmodeus. It sounds exactly as sincere as before, the one who says it was not previously a poor faker. Subarax has an urgent report to make to the Grand High Priestess's secretary regarding what Carissa Savor's price is not, obviously not, and also report the promise Subarax made to Keltham regarding a test to run on Sever, if her soul cannot be sold for any reason. Carissa walks sedately and responsibly with her contract until she's nearly at Keltham's room and then skips gleefully. She feels gleeful and she can't think of any reason to hide it with Keltham. Three wishes. Enough spell silver for every project she can conceive of. Knock, knock. Keltham is reading a book of cleric spells that has finally been returned to Astenso's Wizard Academy, according to Ioni, who has been diligently checking at least once per day. This is some pretty strange stuff, frankly. Answer, answer. Hey, 
I have a contract with an option on my soul for you. Though, uh, the devil who wrote it for me said that I should not give you the option for free. Just as I wouldn't sell my soul for free, right? The consideration lends it dignity. This isn't an offer I make you expecting nothing in return but to see what becomes of me. It's a deal. Hell is so functional compared to Galarian. May I have a look? And are the rest of your arrangements settled pending this? Here you go. Contract. And no, the appointment where I settle the hell side of it is in three hours. The devil I got would have been perfectly adequate if I were a fourth circle caster at the world wound looking to make arrangements as a magic item enchanter. When she died, but now I'm way more valuable and will actually need a higher seniority devil who's authorized to make more expensive kinds of deals. Which, in hindsight, makes sense. Being on Project Lawful made the other girls as valuable as a wizard a decade older and more experienced and powerful than them, so it makes me very valuable. Though the option decreases the value considerably, which I guess you can compensate me for. Oh, and how would I go about doing that? Awkwardly. I feel like you've already asserted that if we're still together when we've built civilization, I will get mountains of spell silver to play with. But maybe one of the mountains of spell silver can be mine by right rather than a probable present. Not to be too unromantic, but I can't actually promise you that until I know what spell silver is fundamentally, and if that quantity even exists in Galarian. But if I just take that as indicating the general spirit of what's going on, then sure, Keltham reads the contract. The option itself costs 500 GP for him to purchase, and wants him to pay 500, 000 GP if at some future point he'd like to own Carissa's soul. This does not particularly square with the amount Keltham is expecting that Carissa is getting in exchange for her soul today, going on some past prices he's been quoted. Wait, I'm supposed to pay 500,000 gold pieces for you? I bet the devil who's buying you today isn't paying anything remotely like that. Are you conniving with this devil to make a profit off me here? Who says you're even worth that? Keltham tries to say this sternly. How's Carissa's sense motive doing against Keltham's bluff? Keltham is adorable and up to bluffing about as well as a chelish ten-year-old. No one in all the land would say I'm worth that. It is a truly ridiculous amount of money that even Abigail couldn't pay. So if I can't make an insane amount of money, or I'm not willing to pay this insane price for you, I don't get to be together with you into the future, H.M. And here I was wondering if Cheliax just didn't understand romance at all. Well, you know, if nothing else, I aspire to be a quick learner. Part of him wants to optimize the part where, apparently, whatever devil signs this contract just gets all that money. But, eh, it's just 500 000, 000 GP at some point into the far future of their relationship. Well, think no less of me if I don't sign your very romantic contract upon the spot. I do need to check the terms. I don't suppose you ask the devil about unexpected unpleasantness? Should have actually asked explicitly for you to do that. I did. I asked if any of the terms would have unexpected, unpleasant effects, and he said, Tell the mortal that Glossolabolas, who made this compact, guaranteed this. The deed that results from this contract's signing and its execution will be as I expect that he will expect. As for the consequences of the deed itself, time will show it. Are all devils so? Taldane doesn't have the baseline word. The thing that pronouncement has in common with saying, those above all mortals now battle. 
I haven't exactly met tons of devils, but in stories, yes, they all are. Even more so more powerful ones. Well, they do them, I guess. Keltham reads the contract carefully. He has not actually heard a lawful being pronounce it safe, only heard Carissa say that this was told to her. It would be legit pretty hard for this contract to hurt Keltham, though. There just aren't any sentences that talk about Keltham needing to do anything. Except for the section that says the option can be voided if Carissa returns the 500 GP to him before it can be exercised. But even that section is just talking about something that happens to the contract, not something that happens to Keltham. It would be an entirely unacceptable clause for a regular financial contract. If the option goes up in price, the option purchase just gets reversed at the other party's will. Part of Keltham's brain is repeatedly pointing at this and trying to yell about it what a bad deal it is. The larger Keltham understands the message of the term perfectly well. Sure, you can have her future, if and only if she still wants you. Be it clear that I know perfectly well that it was the devil, rather than you, who suggested to you, or more accurately told you, to include the term of this option, where you can give me back the price I paid in order to nullify the option, Keltham says aloud, and then argued with you about it, and finally told you that he wasn't executing the compact unless that term was in it, exactly the way he put it down. I didn't argue for very long. Devils don't give bad advice. But yes, I didn't want... I'm not trying to give myself an escape route. It's not an escape route for you. It's an escape route for a different person named Carissa Savar, who might exist in 50 years. Mortals probably look pretty changeable from a devil's perspective. You can't expect them to know that all time slices of you will be as one person in this, even if that's how the future plays out. Keltham will ask for a lot of detailed explanations of a lot of detailed terms, and then measure out 500 GP of value, mostly in platinum in this case from that small hoard he now has. It's actually a bit painful. His legible asset balance just went down by a factor of six. It would be less painful if he had knowable, repeatable ways of earning more. But considering that he got this money by renting out Carissa, his brain rather needs to shut up about his legible asset balance. The remaining 100 GP is, in fact, exactly that amount he demanded and was paid for going through the etiquette lessons. He offers the money to Carissa, just in case he wants to spend forever together with her at some future point. She takes it, takes a deep breath, puts it in her bag of holding, signs the contract. Keltham signs. Having your alignment shift 12% of the way towards lawful evil doesn't feel like anything in particular. It actually feels kind of stupid that this shifts Keltham's alignment. Not that she didn't already believe that the system was kind of stupid, but they haven't made any progress really, on corrupting Keltham in the sense that matters, in the sense of making him someone who thinks like Asmodeus and will thrive in hell. He still wants her to be happy, he's still pleased about the escape route, he's still... lawful neutral. The kind of agent he wants to be negotiating with is in Axis. There is, Carissa realizes as she beams at him, possibly nothing she can do about that, it might be that she can only make him Pharisman evil and not make him Asmodean evil, and it feels like a situation where accomplishing part of her objectives is worse than accomplishing none of them. A truly Asmodean Keltham would be an asset beyond imagining, but one still lawful neutral in his heart. 
she cuts off that line of reasoning. She'll just have to persuade him of all Asmodeanism. But Keltham's smile fades before too long, as he remembers a thought, which is all too often a hazard to the people of Dathilan. Snuggles after you actually successfully make afterlife arrangements, Keltham says. I'm feeling too worried, deep down, until that part actually happens. The possibility that Carissa has a hidden Zonkuthon cleric alternate personality is a bit of a mood killer. His life would be so much easier if all of these increasingly conjunctively chained thoughts were ones he could just categorize as statistically unlikely awfulness and move on. Okay. Should I go then? Leave you your books? Send you Meritzel? Actually, dramatic irony-wise, wouldn't signing a happy and beautifully symbolic contract like this make it a great time for something terrible to happen to Carissa just before her actual afterlife arrangements got made? There's hardly any author in Dathilan who would, if planning to have Carissa kidnapped in the next few hours, not have this beautiful emotional options contract get signed first. Only a genre-savvy character's explicit awareness of the trope could possibly prevent that, because the author really can't do that so freely if the protagonist is a normal Dath Alani, and able to notice, and even then the protagonist would need to... On due reflection, I think the level of trope alarm this entire situation is generating is sufficient that I literally don't want to let you out of my sight until the devil gets back, Keltham states. I may entertain arguments that you be allowed to use the bathroom. You're very concerning sometimes, you know that? She sits down in one of his fancy chairs. Also, fair warning, if we'd been dating for a week longer, I'd make you enforce that. I'd say that, once I understand Galarian better and have lived here longer, I'll maybe know better what can't happen. But I also remind you that your new standard of improbability needs to be, is that less likely than a god war starting, or... Is that less likely than Caden Kalian volunteering snacks catering for our project? Because that is where you live now. Enforce it how, pray tell? Well, I say, oh, make me, and then you figure out the how. To be clear, I won't actually do that about an actual safety request, even if it doesn't make sense to me. Wrong time to ask me to figure that out, but we can put a pin in it for later. Keltham does have a book of cleric spells to finish reading, and many additional questions to ask about it. A roaring sound like the ocean has overtaken Sothis and is racing at top speed towards his eardrums in particular, and a sense of heat like he's tripped face first into the sun. We are occupied elsewhere, the pharaoh tells this petitioner, already unable to hear his voice, and will speak to you later. Dismissed. The cleric in Cheliax has just exchanged 500 gold pieces for an option exercisable for 500. 000 GP for the soul of one Carissa Sever. Assistance in generating theories of why. You can buy options on souls. I didn't know you could buy options on souls. He doesn't expect a response on that. Abadar doesn't usually communicate with things that parse his words at all, and he suspects that it only happened this time because the words were in the contract possibilities. The cleric wants to rescue the girl from hell and can't afford it yet, but expects he'll be able to someday. The cleric has been very much misled about any of what souls are, what contracts are, what gold pieces are, what options are, or who Chrysa Sever is. The contract is meant to communicate with us. 
because the cleric knows that when people formalize their intent and their preferences so, it's much clearer to you and is asking you to protect Carissa Saver. Who is she? A potential trade partner of Irori's. There's an additional nuance there, but it doesn't make it across the translation barrier. It's something like unfinished. Well, that rules out the first theory, leaves the second one very much intact, though, and the third. Can we talk to her? No. Interdiction. Right. Is she the cake girl? What? What? Right back at you. That's about as well as talking to mortals ever goes. He'll leave before he causes permanent brain damage. If you wish to support this AI reading and others like it, please visit patreon.com slash AI. Any help is appreciated. And thank you to executive producer John Doe 7776059.